Hello and welcome to SEO ASAS. You are with me, Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Soak.com. And with me, I have the lovely Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media. We are called SEO SAS because we are the special answering service when it comes to SEO questions. This show is brought to you by the team at LikeMind Media. Like My Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like Aww. you. Thanks, Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very hot. We're in a hot and stuffy office, aren't we? We are. I think everybody is at the minute, though. I know. And so we're in a building that's meant to be specially designed, so it doesn't need air con. Oh, wow. But it doesn't work because we're both sat here a that's bit on a the bit hot That's a bit of a fail, side. yeah. <laughs> a big, big fail. <laughs> but yes, no, apart from being hot, I'm all right. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, it's Monday, but it feels like Thursday. Okay. Yeah, I'm just tired. I think it's the heat. I think it's, it's not the heat. Sleep, yeah. 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 I, I have to agree. Heat doesn't make everything a bit lethargic and everything's so much harder. Yeah. Like walking upstairs. Yeah. Like. How do people in hot countries deal with this? Seriously? I don't know. Obviously, We're just not used to it in the UK. <laughs> They're obviously acclimatised. <laughs> so we've got some exciting news. Yes, we have a fantastic guest today, a very exciting guest that Sarah has been talking about for the last few episodes. Yes, I'm a bit <laughs> obsessed. I do apologise. So a uh, big welcome to Sophie Coley. Sophie is co-founder of Search Listening, who, by the way, are also the f- official education partner of Answer the Public. Hello, Sophie. Hi, ladies. How are we doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. Um, a bit hot like you. I'm <laughs> down in Boston in a bit of a greenhouse of a room, but... Um, <laughs> what does make me laugh is england is rubbish when it comes to weather extremes like if it gets really really hot or really really snowy icy cold we just we just like can't cope can we it's ridiculous but i'm not going to grumble because um i'm quite happy with the sun so but then that's another english thing to do is to whatever the weather you moan about it we have to talk about the weather don't we it's just (laughs) an english thing Thank you very much for agreeing to be on our podcast. We're very excited to have you on board. So yes, we're basically just going to be talking about search listening, asking you a few questions, and we've also briefed you about the silly little feature that we'll do later. So um, how are you feeling about that? I'm a little bit apprehensive because I know that there's a forfeit on the table. <laughs> what it is, so uh, yeah, it's never too mean. I think the meanest it's been is Hannah's had to eat a jalapeno, so you know. Yeah, that's not very mean. <laughs> All right, I feel better now. First things first, can you tell our listeners about your book, Consumer Insight in the Age of Google? Yes, I can. So um, this is a book that I wrote last year. Um, it went on sale in June. Um, it's an ebook rather than a, a real book, although we're looking to, to actually get some copies made up for people to, to read it and for my parents to proudly have on their bookshelf. It's the idea behind it. Um, it was before we sort of had launched Search Listening, um, but obviously... Uh, working with the guys that answer the public um we are very aware that you know it it gets thousands and thousands hundreds of thousands of hits from all around the world um answer the public as a tool every day um it's incredibly popular but we're also aware that i don't think people necessarily use it and it in as diverse a way as they can always um we know you know it gets mentioned at conferences all around the world again and you do any sort of search for it, you'll see there's loads of people recommending it for keyword research, for content planning, and absolutely it's great for those things. But as the title suggests, I think that's 
I, I use it myself um, in my sort of agency work, much more from a consumer insight point of view. And the idea of the book was to help people make use of certain features within it. And by that, I literally mean sort of some of the branches in the wheel that you'll see and to identify the different types of insight that they could get from those different branches. So, yeah, to help people use Answer the Public in a, um, a different, uh, potentially more interesting and, and adding value in, in different ways Um Awesome. Awesome. So obviously I met you, I met you at Search Leads. Yes. And I came along to your talk, um, which was like, yeah, it was really, really good. And that's what prompted me to reach out to you and say, come on our podcast, come and talk to us. And you said yes. Um, so yes, this is probably the most important question that I'm going to ask you. So your talk was Spice Girls themed. Was, yeah. Ultimate question, who is your favourite Spice Girl and why? See, this is a tricky one and I'm going by a process of elimination. So Posh <laughs> is out because I feel like she's turned her back on the whole Spice Girls thing anyway and is just ashamed of that part of her life. So, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you not think she's a bit misunderstood? No. No, okay, <laughs> carry on. If you look back on YouTube at some of her solo tracks, I will, the only one I'll tolerate is the one she did with Dame Bowers. Yep. I loved for a brief period of my teenage years. But um, Do you want to give us a demo? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> <laughs> called My Heart's Got a Mind of Its Own, where she sort of talked raps and uh, just just watch the video for it. It's bloody hilarious. Brilliant. <laughs> so, no, she's out. Um, scary, I feel like, has gone a bit crazy recently and is trying to... I, re- I read something at the weekend about she was trying to out Holly Willoughby and um, Emma Bunton having a snog on a night out. And I can't remember where I read it, but it was like, why is Melby trying to out everyone all of a sudden? Um, she's out too. And also Ginger, again, like Jerry, I feel like I feel like she was at her peak when she was off doing all that, like, um, all those, what was the crazy song she did, the, like, Machico Latino and all of that. Oh, Machico. I feel like now she's tried to reinvent herself as a lady who's married to a rich Formula One guy. So um, <laughs> I'm torn between baby and sporty, but I'm going to go baby. Oh, okay. She's kept it consistent over the years. She's not yeah. done anything too crazy. She can sing, which helps. Yeah. She's got good vibes. I'm going to go baby. Okay. And I think quite a few people would go baby. Yeah. Hannah, what are you saying? Oh, I have to go for Ginger because of the red hair. Right. <laughs> yes. You can stand united together. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> with your red hair. <laughs> Who do I see? I'm going to go with Victoria just because I think she's the misunderstood one of the group sometimes. Like, I don't know. But anyway. I'm sure she'd appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure she's listening to this podcast right now. Okay, so a bit more serious then. Um, uh, as much as I'd love to talk about Spice Girls all, all episode, how did you get into SEO? So I studied multimedia journalism at university. So I, throughout all my school years, very much into English writing, thought I wanted to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout my whole time at uni, I loved doing journalism. Um, I loved the output didn't so much like doing I mean I did some what I now look back and sort of pat my university self on the back for I did um sort of a research project into FGM some quite sort of full-on and scary stuff at the time but uh throughout my years at university our lecturers spent a lot of time telling us that actually yes we could go on and be journalists but PR was an easier and more lucrative career to get into that we were kind of learning the skills for anyway um so when I left uni I came home I went to uni in Bournemouth came back to Brighton um looked for some internships that I could do um and thought I would sort of dip my toe into the PR waters because um it was an internship it would give me a chance to figure out whether I liked it or not um and PropellerNet was where I ended up 
Um, so Propellinet, uh, I'm still here. It's an SEO agency, a digital marketing agency. And I think we were one of, if not the first, to integrate a PR team into our kind of SEO mix. Um, Interesting. Albeit, I, I will admit that our PR tactics back in the day were very, very different. Um, uh, I think we're doing some great, great work for the past few years, but, you know, um, sort of old school, I think PR and SEO first merging was a, a very different picture. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I, I entered Propellant in the PR team. I then realized that I didn't like phoning journalists with stories that I wasn't fully committed to or, you know, didn't believe in what we were, were talking about. So I moved into a more creative role um, and then realized from that that actually I was more into the logic and the planning and the strategy behind things. Um, and that's what my role really focuses on today. So still in an SEO context in a digital marketing agency, but very much looking at audience insight and, and behaviors. Um, so I, I kind of feel like I've kept my nosiness from the journalism days, but I'm um, just applying it in a different way. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. I always love to hear because no one seems to start off in SEO. It's always they fall into it or it's just interesting to hear how people like people's journeys of how they get yeah. to where they are. I find it fascinating. And, and I think, you know, when I was at uni, I didn't even know that SEO was a thing. And I was no. putting content out there on the Internet. And I'd, I'd love to go back and see how my course is taught now and what what to what extent SEO is mentioned within it. But yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Cool. Moving on to some uh, answer the public related questions then, as obviously you're an expert um, in this area as well. We absolutely love the tool, as do many people. So how did it actually come about? So it came about, I can't claim to have built it in any way. I am not um, sort of developer minded in, in any sense. But um, me and my colleagues, I think, were doing a lot of the thinking behind it. So sort of manually putting things into Google and seeing what the suggestions that were being surfaced were. But as you, you will know, that's a really laborious task if you want to go, you know, with a generic and then go all the way through the alphabet and all the different words that you can stick before and after it and see all those suggestions. Mm. Entering them into Google and then trying to capture the output was a real pain. I work with a bunch of really talented people, but one guy in particular who took it upon him to just have a go. I think he'd learned some new way of coding and just thought, I'm going to have a go at building something. And literally, in one weekend in his spare time, built Answer the Public. Um, wow. And, yeah, I know it's ridiculous and amazing. Um, and then at a similar time, I suppose as an agency, we, we still do a lot of sort of retained client work, but we're also looking or over the past few years have been looking to sort of diversify what we do as well. So focusing a bit more on SaaS product. Um, so Answer the Public fits into that really, really nicely um, as another another thing that we can do. And it means that, um, you know, we've got tech guys here who, who might want to learn a bit more around coding and it gives you places to go in the agency nice. um, and expand your skill set, which is really nice. Awesome. Ooh. So with, with sort of the background behind it and everything else that comes alongside it, how, how would you say uh, you could sort of summarise how people could get the most out of the tool? For me, the key thing is like exploring different phrasing around what you actually put in. So um, I know that on the homepage, the kind of invitation is to put in a word like dresses or Xbox or something like that, and you'll get all the different outputs. And that absolutely is a great starting point. But then, and I touched on this at Search Leads, I think, think looking at things like if it's dresses, what about my dress and the dress and all the different variations that you can get around it? Cool. Um, that gives you uh, a lot of kind of, well, a lot more rich territory to play in. You'll see a lot more interesting things. Yeah. And the context, I guess, behind it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things you do see a lot of people just putting in one, one term and then that's it. Their report's done. Whereas I would, I talk about it in the book again. Um, I love this idea of, of getting lost down a kind of mm. rabbit hole of different searches and, you know, starting with one thing and then finding something interesting and going back and putting that back into Answer the Public and seeing where you go with that. I think that's a really 
good way. I mean, literally just spend an afternoon getting lost in it and exploring it. I mean, that's a, a luxury, I'm sure, with most people working in agencies mm-hmm. or in sort of time pressure businesses, but that's a really good thing. And one other thing I would say, uh, we get a lot of queries about prioritization and keyword volumes. And it's very deliberate why we don't have keyword volumes on there. Um, Anyone who's familiar with the tool will see that we do now have gradient dots on the wheels that come out. um, And that reflects kind of the popularity at the moment. I guess the point is Google Trends, uh, sorry, Google Suggestions is always surfacing what is trending at the moment. Um, So if some big sort of world event happened, you would expect to see the Google Suggestions updating as a result of that. So the dots show you what is most popular at the moment um, based on what is Google what Google's surfacing um, a lot of people talk about downloading keywords everywhere and having that as a plugin mm. which allows you to kind of see volumes over it but yeah. um, I think for us we try and shift people away from that way of thinking and I know from a very very traditional pure SEO standpoint you want to prioritize by search volume and see which terms um, most people are searching for my thing with that is that it's a slightly flawed methodology in that if you're using Google's keyword planner to get those volumes the very fact that Answer the Public typically surfaces kind of longer tail, more editorial keywords, you know, AdWords isn't set up for that. It's set up for generic short-term, short-term, shorter keywords mm. have commercial benefit. Okay. Um, so I think half the time, if you stick a load of terms that you've got from Answer the Public into the keyword panel, it will tell you that there's very little search volume, which mm. just defies logic given that, you know, Google is suggesting that to people. Um, yeah. So... It's, it's a funny one to get your head around, and I very much appreciate traditional SEOs who will be listening to this and going, no, we want to know volumes, but Google makes it difficult to, to access the volumes for the kind of words that um, Answer the Public throws out. So I, can, I completely agree with you there. We, I use a couple of tools where I'll put it into Keyword Planner first, keywords in there, and then I'll, I'll look and sometimes you'll get nothing against something and you think that's a bit strange. So I'll put it into a different tool and then it will show me actual results. So I don't yeah. think it does show everything by any means. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a big shift I think for people. Mm. And like I said, we get a lot of people going, "Why can't you put volumes on here?" But um, that's why. Stick stick to your guns. Stand your ground. Yeah, and the intent behind the content you're creating. Yeah. Well, what's the story behind the angry man? By the way, I love him, and I love his chunky knit as well. That's good. Uh, he's very marmite, so you're, you're on one side of the fence. But there's a whole load of people who hate him. I, I sometimes look into Twitter and just look at. Um, answer the public man and see what people are saying about him and you get all sorts just a suggestion Um, going you can you can use this idea or you can put it like in the bin but what if he changed what he was wearing because of the seasons well i don't know his i feel like his jump has become quite iconic anyway yes this is true you don't want don't don't i'm i'm doing the classic trying to fix something that's not (laughs) broken so carry on (laughs) yeah maybe like a hawaiian shirt might look good yeah (laughs) well maybe just for me you know Uh, So his name is The Seeker, and he's a character that we created really alongside Answer the Public and kind of the thinking that goes around it. But the idea is that he he is the kind of visualization of this idea that everybody um, is searching for something. So that's kind of, you, you don't hear him say it, but that's his catchphrase. He says, we're all searching for something. And he... Yeah, he's just meant to be this kind of ever-present, all-seeing eye who who is there looking at everything that we are always searching. And, you know, again, I think I said it in Leeds, but this idea that everyone, um, we tell things to Google that we don't tell our best friend, our Mm. doctor. So he's, he's kind of the guardian of all of that, if you like. Cool. Cool. That's that's a nice bit of insight for us. Um, and just just finally, is there anything exciting that's happening with the tool? Anything else exciting, I should say, um, or any new developments on the horizon? Nothing um, major that's coming up sort of features wise right now. Um, I would, you know, 
if you are using it and you're not signed up to the pro version, I would encourage you to do that budgets permitting, although you, you just sign up a month at a time. So there's no ongoing subscription, but there's some really, really nice features in the pro version now. So things like you can do time comparisons. So providing you run a benchmark search of something at one point, you can come back to it and then compare what's what's um, suddenly started appearing since your last report on that topic, which is a really nice feature. Um, I think for us, the main thing is, is really the focus on search listening and, and, trying to help educate people as to how they can use Answer the Public in slightly different ways. So um, in the coming months, we'll be launching a course specifically on searchlistening.com, which is all around Answer the Public and and helping people to understand search listening and how they can use Answer the Public as a tool to help them do search listening. That sounds amazing. I bet actually quite a lot of our listeners would really benefit from that sort of course. Moving on then, um, so we've covered a bit of your personal info and now we've done Answer the Public. I want to now delve into search listening. So first things first, how would you define search listening? So our official definition, if you like, search listening is the process of understanding what an audience truly thinks based on the unbiased perspectives of millions of people using the ultimate source of insight, search data. And I think that sort of sums it up really nicely there. So obviously, yeah, uh, we we touched touched on the course. So your search listening and the customer journey course that is live at the end of July. Can you tell us more about that course, what it involves, why people should apply sort of thing? Yeah. Um, So I should say here that timings are TBC at the moment and it might be um, mid-August that we launch it now. It's our first first course that we've done and we are learning very much as we go. So um, lots of video editing going on at the moment. So it should be launching in the coming weeks, definitely. Okay. So it's the first course that we are launching and we've tied it to a very, very basic customer journey as kind of a framework to help explore what search listening is and the different types of audience insight that people can take along different stages of a of a customer journey from um, search behavior. So yeah, if anyone does fancy a look at it, there's some sort of free material they can download on searchlistening.com at the moment and they can sign up and say they're interested. But the idea is that it's a a very much kind of beginner's introduction, but using something that hopefully a lot of people are familiar with, i.e. the customer journey. Although my caveat on that is that it's a very, very simplified customer journey and, you know, being online marketers as we are, Mm. um, we're all very aware that there's billions of touch points for a customer journey so it's a very simplified one um but we'll explore things like triggers and consideration and conversion um and post-purchase search is um, another area that we've looked at so all these different stages and how people behave um within search behavior for all of them and what we as marketers or business people can learn about audiences at each stage um so experience wise would you say this course is for sort of anyone or would you need a little bit of uh, understanding in the area or um yeah I, I it's it's pitched very much as um a bit of a course for everybody at the moment just because i suppose it's trying to um we're quite aware that search listening might might not be a thing that a lot of people have heard of so it's trying to land that concept really and make it as clear for people as possible and make it really easy for them to use so we don't want to just teach them what it is and, and not give hmm. them any tangible way of bringing it into their day-to-day so i think you've you've kind of led me quite nicely there into my next question is then so once people know about search listening how do they then get the most out of it yeah so i think it comes back to what i I said a little bit earlier but just like play with google even if it's not answer the public there's you know answer the public takes its data from google suggestions so if that's your happy place then then playing sort of google suggestions and see what it surfaces but just get curious about stuff. I think that's the biggest thing for me. And, and 
I guess it depends what your background is, because if you're more of a PR or content person, then you might have that sort of natural curiosity about mm. people more anyway. Um, I might be being very stereotypical there. I think for people who are operating in the search and, and like I say, searches in sort of tech search space, um, then it, for me, it comes back to that thing again about looking at keywords in a slightly different way and understanding, as you say earlier, um, sort of the intent and what we can learn about motivations, behaviors and attitudes from how people search. Um, again, that idea that it's, it's a bit of a modern day confession box, Google. Mm. Um, and we can take so much from it. I, I really think it's such an untapped source of audience data. So, yeah, just play with it and get lost and see what, what Google suggests around topics that are really important to you or the clients that you work with or the business that you work on. And and then apply it. And I think, you know, if you are a tech SEO person who doesn't see a use in this, then think about the people that you work with and who you can bring in and sort of educate more about the potential of search data. Um, I think SEO is sort of big gatekeepers to a, a huge value bank, if you like, and, and the more that they can help out other people within whatever organization they work in, the better. So I think, there's, you know, as an industry, we've got a, an opportunity to help others, really. Uh, it all sounds very lovely, but um, I, yeah, I just think there's so much potential there that whether you want to use it yourself or you can help other people that you work with. Yeah. Um, to understand audiences then then do it awesome so i stumbled upon a blog that you wrote last year on propellernet with the title search listening a highly underrated way to generate audience insight so a year down the line do you think more people know about search listening and actually use it or are we still in the same sort of position i think we're starting to get there um and as i say we have been thinking about search listening and the training we could do around it more seriously, probably only for like the last two or three months. I was really heartened with my talk at Search Leads and the response that I got there. It, it seemed, for me, it was like search listening is a new phrase. I get, you know, we, we very much delib- deliberately have tied it to social listening because it feels mm. like something that people are familiar with. And, and, you know, you apply the same logic, but it's just a different data set. But it really seemed to connect at Search Leads. And I had some really, really lovely feedback and people you know, it was it was what I was hoping to hear, but yeah. people challenged them to think in a slightly different way and they were going to do things slightly differently. So I think we're starting to get there. Um, we've had a good number of signups of people showing interest on searchlistening.com as well. So I'm really half- heartened that it feels like it's a thing people are interested to hear mm. more about. And they want to learn and they want to know more. Yeah, which is exciting, I think. Okay, so... I'm at a danger now of either putting off a lot of listeners from our podcast or enticing them because I am going to talk about Love Island. (laughs) And I do know Love Island is a bit Marmite. For example, myself, I am the only one in the office who doesn't watch it. But yeah, Hannah, what are your thoughts? Love Island, yes or no? Uh, I've dabbled this year. You're a dabbler. Dabbled. How about you, Sophie? Are you a dabbler or are you like committed to oh, watching much to my boyfriend's disgust <laughs> <laughs> isn't it it's the final tonight isn't it it is yeah so it's perfect timing okay so we need to make sure that this podcast is done and you're back in time to watch the <laughs> final so love island 2019 what are some of the funniest slash weirdest things people have been searching so there is some uh, weird stuff that i have pulled out um I, before I get onto the weird stuff, um, for me, it's there's there's a really nice thing here that you know validates this whole idea of um, search listening being a, a 
a methodology that people can and should be using around kind of culturally important or interesting things. So um, I know that this year has been the year that obviously there's been probably more debate than ever as to whether Love Island is a good thing and what it's yeah. doing to health and all of that. So some interesting searches around mental health and the impact of, um, I guess, just society. So people saying things like, is Love Island bad for you? Is it bad for your mental health? Is it dumbing us down? Is it dangerous? Wow. Um, right through to parents um, asking, should I let my child watch Love Island? Um, I think that's really interesting. They're obviously not asking Google that, but they're looking to find a community of people who will help them come to some sort of answer that works for them. Mm. And that's very interesting. Mm. Um, the judgment thing is definitely there. Um, you sort of called it earlier. And I think, again, I see it in my office. There's a bunch of us that watch it and there's a bunch of people who can't get their head around it. I've heard people say things like, you know, I've got really intelligent friends. Like, why are they watching it? Um, and that's coming through in search behavior as well. So um, is Love Island for morons? <laughs> <laughs> was one of the ones that I spotted. I'm um, going to, um, yeah, I'm going to tell the team that tomorrow. <laughs> Let did you know. One interesting one that I found as well was, is uh, Love Island Haram, which obviously, um, so that's, um, I don't know whether it is Muslims, but it's, it's interest around um, whether it's appropriate for Muslims to be watching Love Island, which oh. um, I hadn't even considered. But again, the search data flagged that for me as an interesting thing. Wow. So it's a lot of people asking, should they watch it or why people watch Like, yeah, that's quite interesting what people want to know about around about Love Island. Yeah, and then and then the other interesting stuff. There's specifics around some of the islanders. So more yeah. for anyone who has been watching it, um, is obviously a very bold character, shall we say? But people into it. So she's Irish, and I don't think there's been any hint of this. But people searching um, is Love Island Mora a gypsy, and is Love Island Mora a traveller? So that's you know that's search listening highlighting sort of preconceptions and misconceptions mm. around different people, which I think is interesting. Oh, okay. That's quite, yeah. So many content opportunities. <laughs> so many content opportunities there. You are welcome. There's, a, there's, there's some, I think, people thinking about those pound signs. So um, yeah. there's someone searching or people searching enough for Google to surface it. Um, is Love Island trademarked? Um, oh. So what are the business opportunities there? And then some interesting stuff around the villa as well. So is the Love Island villa available to rent? And is the Love Island villa purpose-built? Which I thought was quite interesting. I need the answers to the last two. <laughs> I want to know. Someone write a blog and let me know about it. Um, oh, it's been perfect for a villa company, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, cool. So, okay, that's enough of talking about Love Island. I'm going to put my foot down. No more talk of that. So another blog that I came across was the one that you did about Brexit and search listening. So my question here is, how would you suggest companies use search listening to get involved with big news topics that are relevant to them? So I think there's a couple of sort of tactical things to talk about here. So one thing that we've seen with search listening is the media are really, really receptive to sort of search data. And if you can surface interesting things that people are searching for, or funny things, you know, I see things like, um, how long does next day delivery take? And, you know... <laughs> Um, but I think if you can surface some of that and give it to journalists, it's a really nice PR tactic because you're giving them data that they might not um, access themselves otherwise or have time to find. Yeah, um, That's a nice thing to be doing. And certainly, again, around things like Brexit, if you can, again, mentioned it in Leeds, but Google, the data that's in, in Google is the most representative and huge kind of sample that you could be working with in terms of data sets. Yeah. Uh, 
So actually, when it comes to these really big topics like Brexit, that's where you're going to find all the kind of fears, questions, queries, attitudes that people have. So that and then also, I just you, if you can understand how your audience feels or how people feel around any big topic, then you're better able to empathize with them. And then content opportunities obviously naturally fall out of that. But but more broadly through to campaigns as well. So two um, examples that I thought I'd touch on a few years back now, but the UN um, did a really, really nice campaign that won lots of awards and got loads of pickup around um, how women are represented represented in google suggestions so it surfaced things like so the the images it was images of women with a google suggestions box over their mouth and it said things like women need to be put in their place women need to be controlled women need to be disciplined and it was all you know genuine live wow coming up and it's so powerful that did really really well and then also i think businesses it's not for everyone but if you're more cause-led then um you can use search listening as a kind of really nice research method to come up with kind of really authoritative studies on how people feel about whatever cause you are brought into and okay. um, so one of the ones that i've seen recently that i really love on this so um the community security trust who work very hard in the field of kind of anti-semitism they teamed up with seth stevens davidovitz who's a bit of a hero of mine um <laughs> He wrote the book Everybody Lies, which I suggest you read if you're at all interested in this idea of search listening. Definitely. Um, it's great. Uh, but he worked with them to write a whole report around the kind of things that people search for around Jewish people and the, the racism and, and the Semitism and the biases that you see in Google with that. So, again, it's just really powerful data that tells you how people truly feel. People might be racist in Google when they're not racist yeah. I mean, the more that you're talking, the more that this search listening is just so powerful. Because like you've said quite a few times, there's like people go to Google, don't they? When they don't go to their loved ones, their like family, their friends. So it's just, yeah, like, and Google has that data and using tools like Answer the Public and going to Google Autosuggest, you can find that out. And yeah, um, and it's really I can see how easy you'd get down a rabbit hole of like interesting stuff that people are searching for and wanting to know. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely fascinated by this subject. Keeping on the Brexit theme then, what are some of the weirdest things you've come across that people are worried about? Um, sorry, I do have soft R's sometimes. That was worried. I, 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 some, I sometimes struggle pronouncing words. <laughs> uh, but yes, what are some of the weirdest things that you've come across that people are worried about with Brexit? So methodology wise on this one, there's, I think when you pose a question like that, you can think about, okay, so how might someone search if they are worried? Um, so I've looked at searches around will Brexit cause? So what's Brexit going to cause? Nice. Um, the top one today, I literally did this earlier, being um, house prices to fall. So obviously very front of mind for lots of people for, in the housing market. Mm-hmm. Will Brexit cause inflation? Will it, will it cause a recession? Will it cause a war, a civil war? The war, the war one for me is huge. Like, I don't know, when, when in recent times have we ever been so worried about something that like it actually is a thing, you know, we're thinking this could be a war. Um, mm. Those are some of the, um, oh, and some of the medical stuff, I think this is really I mean, it breaks my heart a little bit, but um, is Brexit causing depression? Um, Brexit is stressing me out. Brexit's ruining my marriage. Brexit's ruined friendships. Um, And then a little bit more trivial, but Brexit ruined my dinner party. Wow. You don't want that. Yeah, because I'm I'm guessing because like Brexit definitely, it sort of divides the country, doesn't it? Like you're either one side or the other. So... And, And you see that coming through. I think if you just put Brexit space into Google Suggests, then you will... 
you see that split. You see, you know, there's some really pro sentiment sort of search behavior coming through and then there's some really sort of negative stuff as well. Mm. Well, I think because with the uncertainty of Brexit, you are going to get more of the negative like data, aren't you? But yeah, cool. Yeah, and I think also actually with, uh, it's one thing to note with sort of search listening as a methodology. I, my gut feel, I've not got anything to prove this, it, is it, it will always be a bit skewed towards um, what I would call like anything vulnerable. So what we're sad or stressed or like you don't, I say you don't. Some people do, and I've seen it go to Google and search. You know, I'm really happy about yeah. whatever. It's it's a place you turn to when you're scared and you're worried. So yeah. actually, I think we probably yeah. do surface a bit more of that stuff from search listening. You've made a really good point there, because like if things are like going good and happy in your life, you're not necessarily going to be reaching out. Whereas if things aren't going well, or you need or you need a bit of comfort, or you need an answer, then yeah, it is going to be a bit more on the. So for me, that's that's the interesting split between like social listening and search listening because I okay. think like things are going well that's why you jump onto social media and you tell yeah. them that you're having a great time and life's rosy and you know everything's wonderful but you, you, yeah because it's so externally facing you know if you, if you book an amazing holiday or you buy a brand new car or you get proposed to whatever it is you probably go on social media and go like ta-da this amazing yeah, thing yeah yeah but so, you, know, you get sacked or you're feeling really low or whatever it is you tend to google in that moment so there's, so, there's an so I'm guessing what you sort of saying there is like social listening and search listening, listening can very much work together there. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point because I don't want people to think that I'm banging on about search listening and you know saying that social listening is rubbish and doesn't have a, a time or a place. But I think you just need to think about what if you're doing some some research, what is it you're looking to find, and where are people going to be displaying behaviours that that mean you can get the right data. So. You know, if, if you are a holiday company, then yeah, absolutely look on social media and see what interesting things people are shouting about, what they're excited about having booked or the amazing time that they're having on holiday. But if you're, I don't know, like a mental health charity, then then search data is probably actually going to be much more telling for you. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I just love to carry on talking about this, but I know that we need to move on. <laughs> Hannah's giving me the eyes. <laughs> I want to talk about SEO as well. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah, I'm hogging. Uh, although obviously it's all the same thing. Just just sort of completely trying to sort of mix up the topic then. Is there anything else that you think is really working in SEO right now? So for me, one of the big things that I'm quite keen that we do for our clients at Propellinet is just like playing with that, you know, the, the SERP landscape is forever changing and Google will forever change it. Um, it wants to make all the money. We know this. But the thing I kind of keep close to heart is that in wanting to make all the money, it ultimately wants to provide the best experience for people who use Google, which is most of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all the new features that it adds on a regular basis, I think um, doing what you can to make the most of those is a really useful thing. So mm-hmm. um, I love um, doing work with clients about optimizing for and finding the searches that populate answer boxes and those kinds of um, anything position zero I love that sort of stuff. I think, again, you know, I'm sure you will have gathered from what I've been talking about today, but anything that puts sort of real people more at the heart than a keyword, um, I'm really, really into. So all those sorts of people also ask things, looking at the search behavior for those. Um, that's really interesting for me as well. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, Sophie, I'm going to skip over the next one because we've gone, we've, we've covered that one before. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. Okay. So, and as well as answer the public, what other SEO tools out there are you loving at the minute? So um, another one that I use on a near daily basis is um, Audience View by Hitwise. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. What I love about it is that, um, and I know, you know, loads of people will be familiar with regular Hitwise, but Audience View is kind of the second thing they've launched, although I believe 
they'll eventually try and merge the two. Audience View allows you to kind of build custom audience segments and then specifically look at how they search or what websites they visit in any industry that you like. So um, it enables me to do things like looking at how young people living in London search for holidays compared to older people living in Brighton. Um, And you can get really, really granular with the audiences that you build. But for me, again, having the ability to look beyond just a keyword and actually to understand a bit more about the audience that is searching for that keyword means that we can give our clients really, really good recommendations and actually qualify it. You know, we're all scrambling in the SEO world over generally a set of really high generic commercially important keywords for our clients or our businesses um and i think if you can qualify some of those in or out or find other opportunities knowing that the people you actually want to target as a business search in a slightly different way or Mm. don't use that keyword it gives you a bit of a competitive edge Awesome. Yeah. Do you know what? I've, I've not actually checked that out and I'm going to. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> it's on the notebook. It is. It's written down and circled. Um, <laughs> quite quite uh, ferociously. Ferociously? I don't even ferociously know. Ferociously or vivaciously? <laughs> I was going, I was mixing. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and so obviously, uh, so you've been working in SEO for quite, quite a while. How, uh, how's the landscape changed? What sort of big changes have you seen? So um, I just feel like it's all so much more competitive. Um, I feel like, you know, you expect it with any industry, but back in the day, there were a few good agencies doing some really good stuff. And and it's, you know, it's a positive thing. There's loads of good agencies doing really good stuff nowadays. But like I said, it's it's, the market is more crowded. I think there's even more people gunning for those kind of generic commercial keywords. There's more content being created. Mm. A bit of a bugbear of of mine, if I'm honest, is that I think sometimes SEOs can be guilty of creating content just for the sake of it. Yeah, I agree. um, I'm a big fan of, you know, content strategies that that have a number of inputs. And so for me, an awesome content strategy is driven by SEO and search volumes and keyword opportunities. But it then has um, a brand strategy inputted into that and what's important to the business. And then it has audience needs inputted into that as well. So I suppose that's that's a, a good thing. They are turn a, a negative into a positive. In that I think <laughs> I think everything's becoming a bit more integrated again. I know back in the day SEO was so siloed, and you know it would traditionally be a team of um, slightly nerdier people sat in one uh, little corner of a building, not speaking to anyone else. And I think I think it's all got a bit more grown up, which is a really positive thing. And actually, you know, PRs and content people and tech SEOs all working together for mm. the greater good is a really good thing. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit, it's a bit more creative now, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really nice. And you have to be creative because, like you said, with all the like competition out there with the content, you need to be creative in like how is your content different? How is your content going to get traffic compared to what's already out there? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, you're just putting stuff out there for the sake of it, and uh, that's a waste of everyone's time and money. It is completely agree. And looking forward, then, so can you sort of predict any changes that you think will happen in the next few years? Get your crystal ball out. Yeah, this is tricky. I'm I'm hesitant to make predictions, but you know, one thing that we can be certain of is that Google is going to continue to to do what it wants and to not tell us things and to keep changing things, and we're going to have to keep keeping up. I, also, not a prediction, but something that I would love to see, and for me, that will be a real measure. It's it's a bit of a it's a long way off, distant thing that I would love to happen if search listening becomes a real success and, and takes off, like I say, and people really sort of take it to heart. But I would love to see Google, as I said earlier, be a bit more transparent with keyword volumes around those kind of more long tail editorial queries. I yeah. think if you're putting together a content strategy at the moment, 
you can prioritize the search element by attaching sort of longer tail keywords to a generic term and sort of using that gen- the, the volume for that generic term as a bit of a proxy. Um, but wouldn't it be awesome if there wasn't, you know, Google's Google is the authority on keywords and keyword volumes. And wouldn't it be awesome if it didn't only surface obviously commercial terms mm. and volumes, like if actually it recognized that there was commercial value in editorial keywords and gave us some volumes around those? They need to be listening. They need to be listening. <laughs> That's my dream. That's my dream. <laughs> we can all have a dream. Right. Before we move on to the feature, which I'm I'm guessing that you're really excited about and you really can't wait to like, you know, give that one a go. Is there any questions that you'd like to ask us? Yeah, so I'm always interested to hear, like I said earlier, I think I'm very aware that search listening isn't a thing that gets talked about loads and it might be quite a new concept to um, a lot of people. So I guess I'd be interested to hear your your take on it and whether it was a thing that, you know, was on your radar prior to um, search leads and if you're making use of it at all. Who wants to go first? You go first. (laughs) Well, I suppose I... I was kind of use, using it, but I didn't realise it had a name sort of thing. So, because I've been, I've been using Answer the Public in Google Auto Suggest for quite some time and using that to find the longer tail stuff, more opportunities for things, especially with the content side of us answering the who, what, where and how, basically. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't realise that there was like a, a label for it sort of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I don't, there probably wasn't. I think we've we've kind of um, planted a flag, if you like, and and I suppose recognise like you say that I think a lot of people are doing bits of it, but I think the hope is that if we can put a bit of a label on it, then we can get more people doing it and a better understanding of it. And you know, I'd I'd love it to be. I said that, again, I said this in Leeds, but search uh, social listening is an industry, right? And there's people who are employed yeah. Solely as um, social analysts, and I know you know there's lots of people working in SEO, but I'd love to see that one day there's people who work as search analysts, but but with more of audience insight kind of lens on that. And that you know, I, I want to see other tools like Answer the Public. Yeah. I'm well aware I'm not the only one that does it, but I'd love to see like what other tools people could create that help people sort of think in this way. Hannah, um, yeah, I, I mean. Similar, really. So I've been using tools and, and been considering, obviously, what people are searching for um, in, in a bit more depth. I think it, it works really well with with the intent. So obviously, search mm. intent seems to have been a, quite a big thing over the last probably 18 months. And mm-hmm. that's sort of a buzzword that people are kind of getting to grips with. But I think it's very similar because... Uh, like you say, if you if you put something into answer the public and you change the words that you use in front of it, it brings back a whole different set of results and a whole different rabbit hole. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just the more granular you can get in that kind of research the better the results you're going to get and the more optimized whatever you're doing is going to be and I think intent is really important isn't it like making sure that um, the content that you are putting together is the right intent otherwise you just yeah you you shoot I'm fine I need an analogy where you're shooting for something but it's not necessarily what you should be going for yeah that's it I mean you, you've just killed a rabbit but you went you were trying to actually shoot <laughs> shoot, a, shoot an old tin disclaimer can. no animals were hurt during this episode of <laughs> SEO SAS does that answer your question there it does yeah, yeah. awesome um, can I give you a bonus question <laughs> oh what do we win uh, what's up for grabs well, uh, I don't know. I will figure that out. <laughs> Put you on the spot there. Go on. What's your bonus? Are there any... So um, we are, like I said, we've put together the first course on search listening. I'm going to do a second one 
that focuses on answering the public specifically and how people can use that for search listening. Is there anything else that you think would be interesting to explore or to learn in a course format? Um, and, you know, I'd love to extend that to the listeners as well. So if anyone wants to kind of tweet with any suggestions and stuff they'd be curious to learn about, then that would be really cool. Good question. Good question. What would we want to know about? I think oh, Hannah's... <laughs> Go on. So um, obviously, Answer the Public is all about audiences, isn't it, really? What what they're searching for. But like you've just said, with Audience View and Hitwise, if there was kind of a mix in between the two... Mm-hmm. or something that gave you a step-by-step process for that. I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are potentially business owners who are trying to do their own SEO or trying to guide the strategy of yeah. SEO. That kind of stuff would tick so many boxes. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Sorry. That's gone on to this. Just try, I'm just trying to think of myself what I would... Uh, I obviously know everything. No, I'm joking. I don't know everything. <laughs> okay, knowing how... I don't know if this is sort of similar to what you've said, so I do apologise, but how search listening would sit within like the, like, because what me and Hannah always sort of talk about is about aligning everything. Um, So like your social with your content, with your SEO. So it's one big oily marketing machine is what we like to say. (laughs) So I suppose what would be like a course would be like how like how to get buy-in um from people about search listening or how search listening could sit within like the the whole sort of marketing strategy strategy and how to get buy-in from not just clients but like what sort of things we should be reporting on that's gonna get directors heads turning and like listening and stuff and reporting I suppose because reporting does take up a lot of time and there's and I'm, I'm guessing there's lots of reports that just get not even read sort of thing so that would be I don't know if I, I think feel like I've just blabbed a bit there <laughs> you know like so something on yeah reporting on on how how search listening actually the the sort of tangible benefit that it drives yeah yeah definitely Right then, so it's time for the feature. Okay. <laughs> so basically, uh, what I have done is I have got in, um, in front of me some terms. So I did some research and this this is data from keywordtool.io and they've basically done a big thing about the most asked questions in 2018 and they broke it down into the what, where, how, is sort of thing. But I've picked out some questions and it's like a higher or lower. You have to say whether the next question got more or less searches in the question before does that make sense yeah that makes sense okie dokie can I make a cheeky suggestion oh yes so I think if if obviously if you win Sophie we have to do a forfeit yeah and if we win maybe you do the forfeit or and or I don't know maybe give our listeners a cheeky 10% discount code for your online training course is that asking a bit much that's bargaining right there isn't it (laughs) we can do that thank you cool cool you should win now (laughs) (laughs) right then so first things first is can dogs eat apples which got seventy four thousand searches the next one is are pandas bears did that get more or less searches i'm gonna go less so you think can dogs eat apples got more searches than are pandas bears? Yes, just be, only because I feel like that's a real practical question that lots of dog owners might ask and there's lots of dog owners, whereas the other one's just like a 
random curiosity, probably down the pub. <laughs> okay. Maybe there's more people that go to the pub than uh, own dogs. <laughs> um, okay. What is love? Did that get more or less than our pandas bears? So, see, that's the sort of one that I love, like the really deep philo- philosophical things that people turn to Google for. It blows my mind. <laughs> um, no less than that. I'll go more. So more than pandas bears? I think so. Okay. <laughs> this is a bit of a funny one. Um, why is my poop queen? <laughs> <laughs> see, again, you wouldn't tell your mate that, would you? But you'd tell Google. Yeah. yeah. So are we saying that got more or less than what is love? Uh, less, I hope. <laughs> Why can't I sleep? More. More than why is my poop queen? Yeah. Um, who do I look like? <laughs> so do less. you... Th- less. So yeah. you think less people search for that than why can't I sleep? Yeah, I just think there must be so many people waking up in the middle of the night just grabbing their phone with the why can't I sleep thing. This is a good one for those uh, grammar Nazis out there. When... When to use a semicolon? What, what am I benchmarking this one against? So do you think when to use a semicolon got more or less searches than who do I look like? More. Okay, this one's for the geography people out there. Where is Dubai? Do you think more or less people search for that than semicolon? Less. Okie dokie, last two. This is a bit of a tongue, tongue twister. How to tie a tie? more i think how to always always bumps your volume up <laughs> and then i'm gonna end on my last one very again philosophical one here philosophical i'm going with that word i've said it <laughs> is water wet Ooh. uh less less okay yeah. so oh you won did i yes you yeah. uh yes only by a small margin though okay. you got one two three four wrong and five right okay so do you want to know how you did what you got wrong and what you got right sophie yes i'm very intrigued okay so our pandas bears that got 110,000 searches what is love so obviously yes so you thought that that got more searches than can dogs eat apples but no more people took search about pandas what is what is love you got right because you said more people yeah, everyone's very philosophical. Very philosophical. Why is my poop green? You went lower, which was correct. Uh, why can't I sleep? You went higher than why is my poop green? No, more people search. I know. I mean, this is with keywordtool.io. So, I mean, <laughs> who do I look like? More people search for that than why can't I sleep? So, why can't I sleep have... 40,500 whereas who do I look like have 201,000 so quite a few people there (laughs) when to use the semicolon you said more and that was actually less so more people want to know who they look like (laughs) 
Where is Dubai? You said less than a semicolon. So obviously more people want to get their grammar right than know where Dubai is. <laughs> so you got that right. And the last two you got right. So how to tie a tie? More searches than where is Dubai? And is water wet? Less people want to know whether water is wet than how to tie a tie. It's encouraging human knowledge. <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, so you didn't do too badly. I mean, because you've had such a good time on our pad- podcast, can we still give our listeners a cheeky t- 10% discount? Yeah, we can do that. Um, so I'll set it up. We'll set up. If the book is the consumer, oh, what is my book called? Oh, I've got it. I've got it in front of me. Consumer Insight in the Age of Google. Yes. So the book is on the on searchlisting.com um, at the moment as an ebook. So if anyone wants to buy that now, they can do that. And if they use SEO, SAS, or one word, then they can get 10% off. And then the search listening and the customer journey course should be going live in the next few weeks. Awesome. Um, again, they can use uh, the same code for 10% off that. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. And so, we will, so the, for, the forfeit was... And we will still do this because you won and you've given us an <laughs> added bonus as well. But we now have to pick one of these questions and post it on our Twitter with no like context. It's just got to be the question. Okay. And that's what we've got. In- <laughs> Sorry. Picking which question you have to post. Um, well, I think you should pick it. I mean, yeah, I think that seems like the right thing to do. What quite yeah, you get to pick the question. How brutal do I want to be? I know. It's one, one question that really stands out. Okay. I mean the one that stuck in my mind is why is my poop? Blue? No, I do that. <laughs> uh, I, this could have been a good friendship. <laughs> okay no we'll do it we will we'll never back down we will put a star and yes we will post that on our twitter yes we'll do that (laughs) awesome all right then so i think that brings us to the end yes thank you very very much sophie so before we say before we say goodbye please um how can our listeners find you Obviously not in a stalkerish way, but more <laughs> yeah, over. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, my username is Coley Bird, C-O-L-E-Y Bird, um, all one word. You can email me, um, Sophie at searchlistening.com. Yeah, they're probably the best ways to get hold of me. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much. I've loved this episode. I've got so much out of it. Thank you for joining us. And yes, yeah, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been really good. Okay, so that brings us to an end. I can't get my words out, can I? You did do a lot of words today. I I have had to do a lot of words. Now my brain is just melted. Just a quick reminder to our listeners about the Marketed Live, because it's just around the corner. So Marketed Live on the 20th of September, a marketing conference in Nottingham. So if you want to get a discount, go to marketed.live forward slash SEO SAS. And yes, get your, get, also go to marketed.live to find out who the speakers are and, and bits and bobs like that. Um, how can people get in touch with us, Hannah? Find us on Twitter, SEO underscore SAS or Sarah personally at Sarah McDuck. Sarah McDuck indeed we're both on LinkedIn Hannah Bryce Sarah McDowell and also if you like our podcast and you are a regular listener please do give us an, uh, a review on iTunes that would be spiffing wouldn't it's it splendid thank splendid. you splendid awesome all right then 
Tchau. Tchau.